With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I personally, my opinion is we need to have our students back and attending classes before we can really think about our student athletes competing. But as we go down this road and we're looking at what the possibilities are going to be, I'm still optimistic that we're going to be able to uh, get our, our students back, that we will have a chance to get our, our uh, fall sport student athletes back in shape and ready to compete. Yes, there's a chance it could be a delayed season. It could be an abbreviated season. I still strongly think that uh, we will have things back to normal, but we do need to be prepared in the event that doesn't occur. So. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. That was Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose on his monthly radio appearance on the Husker Sports Network earlier in the week, showing some optimism that um, he does believe that we will play a season this year and that we'll have students on campus. And, and really, that remains the key um, until we get an indication when students will be allowed on campus. Um, it, it's going to be hard for a lot of these things to move forward. Um, you're starting to see some schools that don't have football, like Cal State Fullerton, which is largely a commuter school in L.A., Orange County area. Uh, they're going to not have fall classes altogether. They're going to go online only. Um, but you know, nobody has really made that big move as far as the fall semester. Um, I think most schools have eliminated students on campus for the summer. Uh, the Big Ten um, right now is on a stoppage until at least May 1st as far as organized team activities, a la spring football, um, organized workouts, um, things like that. So we really won't know kind of what direction that will go. Um, the Big Ten athletic directors are meeting um, daily, and one of the topics is how will they get those spring practices back. We should find out more on that, but uh, let's go back to Moose's comments. Robbins, your, your, your thought just kind of on uh, what Moose had to say earlier this week. Yeah, I mean, I think that falls in line with the way or where everybody is right now, where you're making all these contingency plans for any possible scenario, whether it is moving back the season or condensing the season or playing uh, games somewhere else. You know, I mean, I think there, every option is on the table right now because no one has any idea what is going to the world is going to be in September. And so uh, you have to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, then you're, you're doing it wrong. So these daily meetings, they're literally addressing every possible scenario and what individual schools can do uh, to be prepared for whatever happens over the next few months. But, um, you know, I thought it was important that, you know, he once again uh, reiterated that there is, I think, maybe it's just hope, uh, but I do think there's a belief amongst people, um, you know, athletic directors and coaches and whatnot, that in some way there will be a season next year. It's just a matter of what that season looks like. Will there be fans? Will it get pushed back? But I think that most people are operating that uh, there will be a season. It's just a matter of finding out what that season's going to look like. Yeah, and I think that's more than just blind faith, too. I, I feel like there's, there's some sort of substance behind that. But uh, to me, from my point of view, I think what makes it difficult is the fact that 
Um, you know, the football players are student athletes, so you know a lot of it has to depend on what the the entire student body um, is is doing and how the university as a whole, from the academic side of things, are are handling things. And uh, you know, do, are they having classes? Are our kids going to be on campus uh, going into classrooms and and whatnot? So, uh, to me, I, I think that's probably going to play as as big of a factor in everything. Is is uh, you know. Uh, the athletic directors and the Big Ten Conference is going to play a role in it. What I'll be curious, guys, is May 1st. You know, what will happen on the Big Ten's ban as far as organized activities? Um, because Nebraska, Moose mentioned this too, they're in a state where they technically could have organized activities as long as it was 10 or less, and that's right now. And after the government governor's 21-day shutdown, maybe that would be loosened even more, um, which, you know, by next Thursday, um, Nebraska will be out of the 21-day, sh- um, you know, challenge the governor has issued as far as kind of keeping things um, where they're at as far as, you know, shut down uh, to groups of 10 or less, no public gatherings. So um, Nebraska would be a state you could do these things. But I get the sense that a lot of Big Ten athletic directors are going to fight for a level playing field. Nobody's going to want schools to be able to have summer camps, for example, if they can't have them in their state. Nobody's going to want to allow organized team activities. Let's just say if New Jersey or Maryland or Michigan states that are a little bit, you know, when you look at the coronavirus in the Big Ten, maybe even Ohio's in that boat too, uh, that maybe they, they wouldn't be able to allow allowed to have what would be called the organized activities. So um, the level playing field factor will be something to watch. Well, yeah, I mean, especially within just the Big Ten. I mean, just because Nebraska has the ability to do things, uh, Rutgers being in New Jersey or Maryland, you know, being out there, they're probably going to be the last ones that are going to be able to do anything with, you know, how bad uh, the virus has spread within those, um, you know, that part of the country. So, you know, that's where it gets interesting uh, just because uh, it doesn't matter about what you want to do as a conference because geographically, I mean, uh, the Big Ten is spread out so far that uh, there's such a wide ranging of situations facing each individual university that just because something would work for Nebraska, it by no means could work for another school. So that's where I think it gets interesting as far as what, what happens. I mean, obviously you're going to have some schools that can play and some that can't. What do you do with that? If you really want to insist on having a season, um, I mean, do you just have some of those schools sit out a year or whatever? I, I mean, I think that there's so many different ways this could go just because of the varying degrees that each state and each university within those states are dealing with right now. Yeah, I always feel like that's been a big sticking point too with whether it be the NCAA or, or conferences or whatever, they, they want a level playing field. You know, the, the unfair advantages, um, that's, that's been the, the quickest way the NCAA has changed rules is when, uh, you know, when someone finds a loophole or, you know, is able to gain an unfair advantage, um, you know, typically that's, that gets shut down pretty quick. So um, obviously it would be good for Nebraska if they were able to do it. Um, you know, that, that would be, that'd give them a little bit of an edge, I think, but uh, I have a feeling that, that they're going to want to make it all across the board and make it uh, fair for everyone. And what's interesting is we don't really know who's calling the shots here because the NCAA runs the recruiting calendar. So they've called the shots on that, mm-hmm. but organized workouts and things of this matter, spring practice, I believe that's more controlled by the conference and they have the control. The NCAA doesn't control the football championship for football. It's controlled by the playoff and the power five conferences. So, um, you know, will each comp, will there be pressure put on like, let's just say in the SEC where most of the states are run by Republican governors and there's a lot more conservative values there. And they say we're opening it up for organized 
uh, team activities here in May. Will that put pressure on the Big Ten? Say, God, we have to keep up with the SEC. If we're in places where we can have these, we should be able to have organized team activities as well. Yeah, I just don't know if it's up to the conferences. I mean, when it comes down to individual state rule, I mean. uh, But those states, like let's just say those states allow. Right. But as far as putting pressure, say, on Big Ten, you know, where obviously they're being a lot more proactive than states in the SEC, even the Pac-12. I mean, the Pac-12, California, I mean, (laughs) they're about as proactive as it gets as far as, uh, you know, taking measures to combat this situation. So the idea that they're already called off fall classes, right, that they're going to open things up because Georgia's opening things up. I just don't see that happening. And so, you know, I don't know how much that pressure and, you know, conferences and athletic directors wanting to get things going will matter in certain states. And that's where that level playing field conversation really gets interesting. Well, and, and how much of, uh, you know, how, how much are you going to be willing to rock the boat too? I mean, if you're, you know, one of a, a couple schools that, that could take advantage of it and, and everyone else is against it, are, are you going to be, you know, pushing forward and willing to make everyone make some, some big enemies uh, within your conference? I, I don't know. I don't know. How well, that's happen. I think the testing procedures too are getting better. I mean, test Nebraska has just come out with governor Ricketts um, where I think two or 3000 people per day can now be tested in this new program. That's going to get better and better as we go through this process. And I think as they can figure out a plan that says, all right, we can test all these guys regularly and quarantine people. If we have to, we have the means to quarantine. We have empty dorm buildings if we have to go this route. So, I mean, I think they're going to have to get creative, you know, if they're going to push the envelope on some of these things. And hopefully the testing models out there are only going to get better. And they have gotten better, which I think is encouraging. Yeah, I mean, that's where it starts. I mean, obviously, mass testing and uh, widely available testing is the first part. And you know, if you, that's, I think, you get under control. Once you get things under control, or at least able to monitor and have an idea of what your situation is, then all these other steps start to kind of unfold as they go. So, you know, I, I choose, like Bill Moose chooses, to be optimistic that this thing is going to figure itself out. And, yeah, there might be some alterations. Maybe there's some changes to the schedule or whatever it may be. But I am operating under the belief that there will be a season. We will be talking about football. Like, who wants and, to be doom and gloom guy? Exactly. And, and Nebraska will be playing football this season now when that season starts that's the next question yeah that's yeah that's my biggest question too is what is it going to look like is it right. going to be a late start or is it going to be you know without fans or what but i i believe there will be um it's just a matter of of how they make it happen i'll be curious too guys conference media days will that just be canceled or be yeah, done digitally I, I mean that that's one thing to watch late in july they'll have to make that decision here sooner rather than later on conference media days I would think by June 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll get an idea even from the conference on that. But um, lots to talk about on the show. We're going to have some basketball talk here. Is Teddy Allen's going to join us? But next, Robin, we're going to hear from Matt Abdelmasi, um, who's going to join us after signing day. And he's going to weigh in on a lot of things, including the departures of John, uh, Charlie Easley and Kevin Cross. Um, so we'll get his thoughts on all of that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We all knew that this was going to be a challenging first year. There's no greater competitor than Fred Hoiberg in his career as a college athlete and a great one as a uh, professional athlete in the NBA, as an NBA head coach, 
and front office uh, uh, individual. He's he's a competitor, and we're going to win in men's basketball at Nebraska. I think we all know that there's a great deal of talent that could not compete this year because of transfer rules, and they are a talented group. Uh, we're going to we're going to get excited about them, but also uh, five new faces that uh, are really going to make a difference. So. Uh, don't miss out on this upcoming uh, men's basketball season. And-, and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa. That was Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose on his monthly radio show, just uh, giving his thoughts on where things are heading with Nebraska men's basketball. And to give us more on that topic, Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Adamasi is going to join us here again. Uh, Coach, thanks again uh, for the time here. Signing day in the books for you as a staff. Um, How excited are you with the way things came together with the five prospects that you guys were able to sign last week? Yeah, I mean, very exciting uh, time. It always is. Signing day is always a monumental day in your program. All the work that you put in to trying to get these kids to commit and then culminates with them officially being on board. You know, with the times, certainly a little bit more stressed uh, out with the signing period just because we didn't know if it was going to get pushed back. And if it got pushed back more, you know, it always leaves the, the doubt that a kid can eventually – get out of its commitment and go somewhere else with just these trying times. So the timing was perfect to get all five on board, you know, thrilled with uh, each individual that believed in, in uh, our vision, believed in um, our commitment to getting Nebraska basketball to a place that's never been. Well, obviously, um, you know, one of the guys that highlights that class uh, is the guy that we're talking to next segment, Teddy Allen. Uh, I guess uh, with him in particular, uh, I know you guys are are pretty excited about his potential. Obviously, led the junior college in scoring. Uh, What do you foresee his role and impact being um, on this roster next season? I mean, I think he's going to be a high-impact player. I mean, he's an all-league caliber um, level talent. as gifted of a scorer as you're going to come across in the college game. Um, you know, his competitiveness is and willingness to do whatever it takes to win is I think his biggest uh, attribute that he's going to bring to the program. He's got a relentless work ethic. He just wants to get better. Listen, with all these kids, when you take transfers, especially ones that have had a interesting path to get to a point like this, their back's against the wall, and Teddy knows that. You know, the first time we talked, we talked about that. He has no wiggle room to um, put himself in a position that isn't the best position for Teddy. And he knows that he has a lot to prove. He knows that um, this past year, junior college really humbled him because with all due respect, the talent of, of his level shouldn't have been in junior college, but that's the route that his life took him, and he really benefited from it greatly. And, you know, the, the, the coaching staff at Western Nebraska did an absolutely phenomenal job uh, getting him to buy in and molding him, getting him ready to, to take the step to come back to the high major level. But I, I think he's an absolutely instant impact player. Um, he's as talented of a player as I've ever recruited. Um, you know, I'm really excited about him. I'm more excited about him as a person. Me and him clicked from day one. Um, I really enjoy speaking to him. Um, he's got a, a, a great story to where he has a lot to prove people wrong 
and uh, I'll always stick with a kid like Teddy that is is holding himself accountable for his actions, and most importantly, he has goals and and uh, believed in us helping him reach those goals. Another guy I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, that maybe probably doesn't get talked enough uh, about uh, with the rest of this class is, is Lat Mayan. Uh, you know, he's a he's a guy that I think yeah. people just kind of throw him in with the rest of the guys, but it seems like uh, he's got the potential to not only play a few different positions, but it might, it might be hard to get him off the floor. Yeah, I mean, you know, when uh, I first saw Lat, I, I uh, had first made contact when he was transferring from TCU, but he made it well known that he was going to go JUCO, which was the right move for him just to get his health back and just get back to playing shape um, and mentally just get right to take – his his mental state right to take the next step to go back to a high major and um you know you're talking about a player that fits perfectly because of his ability to stretch the floor and make shots but the one thing that stands out with lat is he plays so hard every possession defensively offensively he's got a high motor and to me having that mixed in with the group that we have um, because I also think we have other guys that are, are, are going to have that high motor. That's going to mix really well. Um, but immediately, you know, the way that we build things, shooting is held at a premium um, this past year. Um, you know, certainly we got the shots we wanted but didn't convert at the rate that we wanted, and this year we feel like we're going to get those shots and convert at the rate that translates to winning, and that's going to be an absolutely huge part of that. We're talking to Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Elomasi here on the Husker Online Show. Coach, um, you had a, a couple of roster moves this week. Kevin Cross announced his transfer, and Charlie Easley got a scholarship opportunity to go to South Dakota State. Um, my first part is, where are you at now with those moves, with your overall numbers, and can you just speak on those two guys moving on and kind of that, that overall situation as you kind of get this roster put together for the 2020-21 season? Yeah, you know, I mean, you clearly see the comments that fans make, and, and rightfully so. You know, any time a player leaves your program, you question it, like, what's going on? And um, But once again, like I spoke to you guys last time, you know, it's, it's a part of the game. It's 2020. Um, kids leave at a rapid pace. Um, some don't even make sense and question why are they even leaving. You know, in these cases, Charlie, what an unbelievable opportunity he was given – with coach putting him on scholarship and then also clearly being put in a position where he was going to play uh, meaningful minutes in, in Big Ten games and, and had glimpses of what he can bring to a program like South Dakota State. So he really parlayed that into a, a great uh, achievement to get a full ride, to go to a Division One program that clearly is a, a great one. Um, you know, and then Kevin Cross, you know, as you evolve with building your program, especially one where you take over and have to put a group together basically overnight. Um, then when you get time to actually evaluate and, and take the players um, that you feel like are going to take the program to another level, unfortunately, along that process, there's going to be uh, situations like in Kevin's where he might not have gotten the opportunity his second year that he got his first year just because you've upgraded talent and, and most importantly, just sheer numbers. Would Kevin have played in, in his sophomore year? Absolutely he would have played, but would he have been as happy playing the minutes that he would be given 
like he was year one. I mean, and, and that's what him and his family clearly decided is that he ultimately wouldn't have been. So, you know, we clearly, both of those guys were great for us, represented the program the right way, um, you know, and clearly always wish him the best. Where we're at right now, two open scholarships far down the road with kids. Um, you know, the one thing is, is recruiting never stops. Even when you're full at 13, you're talking to kids. You have to be a step ahead. If you're not a step ahead to me, you're getting eaten alive in, in recruiting and just roster management and, and just overall managing the program. And, um, you know, that's what I pride myself on and um, is making sure you're prepared for things like this and, and being that step ahead. I feel like we're in an unbelievable position to, to hopefully finish this class out and uh, have a, an unbelievably talented group heading into the summer. So when you look at it, uh, you have three players returning who saw minutes last season. And so fans are going to look at that and say, well, here we go, another total roster overhaul. But you have eight upperclassmen, juniors and seniors on the roster, uh, and including some young guys, some sophomores that um, you know were able to get, get in the fold right away as freshmen last year. In your mind, with the roster with the way it is right now compared to where it was going into last season, what are the biggest differences between this group and that group and maybe the, some reasons for optimism about why year two will be significantly different than year one? Well, certainly talent just uh, in general. I mean, this is, a, this is a legit high major roster where you're going to be going out with, you know, eight to ten guys that are good enough to play at any program in the Big Ten. So just off the bat, I mean, upgrading in that area was the most important. And second, just sheer size, um, you know, we're going to be a bigger team. Um, we're going to have size one through five. We're going to have size off the bench. Um, anytime you have a, a ball handler like Delano Banton that's six eight, that's clearly going to make up for uh, lack of size in other areas. But, you know, that part is was a major um, – upgrade as well and then you know of course overall i feel like our athleticism our length um our overall speed uh, has been upgraded to play that we want to play and then ultimately the other area we always look when we're trying to evaluate is, is shot making ability and i feel like we're going to have multiple guys that can shoot high percentages and make and, and can make shots at a high clip and you know that's ultimately fits exactly how we want to play so I feel great about checking all the boxes that are important when we're trying to look at a player and trying to build this thing um, in, the, in the direction that we all want it to go. Uh, my confidence level is really high that we can take this thing off. You know, ultimately, what does that mean wins, loss-wise? I have no idea. You know, we need to get the group here, get them to mesh together. Chemistry is going to be huge. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the group from a character standpoint, a work ethic standpoint. So I don't think the chemistry part's going to be challenging whatsoever. Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Abdelmazi joining us here on the Husker Online Show. Coach, thanks for the time again. Uh, we enjoy getting the chance to get some insight as to what's going on. Um, look forward to talking to you again here down the road. Yeah, definitely. No, always, uh, always available, guys. Appreciate everything. All be right. Safe. Thank you again, Coach. When we come back, Teddy Allen will join us next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as 
We just heard from Nebraska basketball assistant Matt Abamazi, and now we get a chance to talk to one of Nebraska's more high-profile recruits um, here in this 2020 signing class. And a lot of you listening probably remember the name Teddy Allen. He was a standout player for Tom Crable at Boys Town before signing with West Virginia out of high school, played in some NCAA tournament games. Um, you know, a lot of people recognize the name, the experience that he got, um, went off to a Juco and now has signed with Nebraska. Teddy, um, first of all, congrats on your decision to, to sign with Nebraska. And for you, how exciting is it to come back to a place that you really consider home? Yeah, thank you. And, uh, thank you all as well for having me on. And, uh, yeah, it is exciting. Um, it, it definitely feels like, like a homecoming type of thing. Um, you know, I went to high school here, so I was able to see, you know, what Nebraska means to the state and to the people of Omaha and Lincoln and uh, support they get. So, you know, being able to commit and be recruited by Nebraska after uh, pretty much living here for the last five, six years is, uh, is pretty surreal, honestly. So, Teddy, coming out of high school, I know the previous staff at Nebraska looked at you. Um, they never offered, but uh, when Fred Hoiberg and, and, and Coach Matt Abdelmasi called you up for the first time, uh, I guess what was your immediate reaction? I mean, was was Nebraska some place that you always kind of had um, in the back of your mind as, a, as somewhere you w- would have loved to end up had you gotten the opportunity? And I guess how quickly did it take for them to sell you on uh, becoming a Husker? Well, True story, uh, when I was thinking about going to Juke, uh, um, I was getting, obviously, a lot of calls from coaches. And uh, Coach Corey Fanger at my Juco at Western Nebraska had called me, and he was telling me that, you know, you come here, you're going to be a leading scorer in the nation, and you're going to go to Nebraska. And, you know, I, I pretty much trusted him because, I mean, why would he say that? So I, I did, because that's, that's where I wanted to go after all this. I wanted to be back here. I, I felt like it was the best environment for me. And and that sounded like the plan from the jump. So when I started getting those calls, I was excited, and I wanted to be able to try to get it done as quick as possible. But, you know, I had to keep my cool, you know, when the coaches were calling me and everything. So it was all good. We're talking to Nebraska basketball signee Teddy Allen, former Boys Town product, played at Western Nebraska Junior College in West Virginia before that. Teddy, um, just talk more about that experience. I mean, you went from a major Power 5 program in West Virginia, and then you had to go to Western Nebraska Junior College. I mean, that had to be quite a difference of what you were used to. What were the challenges for you to kind of have to play down necessarily a level from the amenities and some of the things that you might have had at West Virginia with Bob Huggins and then just trying to kind of keep your level of focus, living in Western Nebraska, um, playing basketball? Well, I mean, living in Scottsdale, Nebraska, is actually, it's actually a good place to just dug off and focus. Um, you know, for me, honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. You know, it's a lot different, obviously, a lot of less resources. A lot of less equipment, a lot of less, you know, perks and everything like that. But other than that, me, I'm just a hooper. I just love to hoop. So, you know, I was just thankful I got the opportunity to hoop. And, yeah, it seemed like a setback, but just try to turn it into a positive and use the year to get better and just keep working on my game even harder than ever. 
So Teddy, after you committed, obviously, um, you know, you gave us the time to sit down for a real nice interview to just kind of discuss your path a little bit. Um, can you maybe just put into context where you are as a person now, maybe compared to where you were, um, you know, at West Virginia and just, just how much, you know, maybe, uh, maybe I don't want to say growing up is the right word, but you know, how, how, how much you've just grown as a person, um, going into you know your fresh start at nebraska here yeah no i think i think growing up is a good word to use honestly that was that was like three years ago to this point so Mm -hmm. obviously a man matures a lot from 18 to 21 and i just feel like me i'm in a better place in my life with you know things that were going on with me around that time um obviously my mother and things like that. So it would. I feel like I'm definitely a lot more grown up. I've been seeing what certain choices can do, and I've seen like different types of people that you shouldn't surround yourself with, and things like that. So I feel like it. It all worked out for the better, and I learned the things I needed to learn, and took the steps I needed to take to be where I'm at now. So I think I'm definitely in a great place. Nice. All right, so looking ahead um, on the court, uh, you know, you committed uh, relatively earlier compared to um, some of the newer additions uh, that Nebraska has been able to, to bring in, um, especially with this signing class. Uh, what's kind of been your take on uh, the roster that's been assembled and um, what you're going to be joining next year when you, when you end up making it to Lincoln? Yeah, I've been keeping up with it. Um, you know, I've been talking with Coach Matt and Coach Hoiberg about the guys they're bringing in. I think it's exciting, honestly. Um, myself, I know I'm a versatile player. And I've been looking up the guys, you know, watching their film, just like anyone would. Um, they seem like they're versatile as well. Coach got a lot of different pieces that can score, defend, or athletic, rebound, as well as the guys who had had to sit out last year. So I think he got a nice, a nice versatile, big, athletic, long group that he assembled that can do a lot of different things. And when you have a lot of guys who are like with army guys like that, it can be dangerous that they mold, right? We're talking to Teddy Allen, Nebraska basketball signee. Teddy, uh, we've asked a lot of guys we've talked to this same question. First of all, are you still out in Scotts Bluff? Are you back in Omaha? And and what are you doing right now um, to kind of keep yourself sharp? And what are your plans as far as when you can technically get to Lincoln and, and, and be a part of things? Well, uh, I am in Omaha, actually. I'm training two or three times a day. I'm going to keep the location undisclosed because I don't even think stuff's supposed to be over right now. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm training. Training everything. Um, you know, obviously, it's an obstacle with what's going on. So you got to find some extra things to do. Try to keep your cardio up because it's not the usual pick-up games going on every day, every other day. So you got to do get creative, keep your cardio up, you know, do things around the house, run in the fields, run on trails. And uh, as far as the plans to get to Nebraska, uh, I think it's set for, like, maybe the first or second week of June, which, you know, with what's going on, that may or may not get pushed back. But I'm staying ready. I always do. And I usually don't. I pretty much never take any time off from this, so I'm always trying to stay ready and uh, continue to work. Really excited, though. I hope it doesn't get pushed back. I know I'm excited to be able to 
get on campus with my teammates so we can start getting each other better and competing and uh, try to get some get some brewing, get some chemistry going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Coach Hoiberg had said that June 6th, I think, is the day that they're looking to ideally get the team together. But uh, in the meantime, uh, he talked about just finding ways to, to get that chemistry going despite the circumstance i know you guys have had some uh zoom calls with uh, some of the other players and with the staff i guess what things have you been able to do to just try to get to know your future teammates because you got a lot of guys that um have not even been in the same room together let alone play the game of basketball i guess how's that process going as far as building a cohesive locker room and just getting to know each other yeah i mean it obviously takes time you know Obviously, once y'all commit or whatever, always on social media. Like you said, we've been on the Zooms, introducing ourselves, uh, talking a little bit. But uh, like, it's a lot of teams. I mean, every team has recruits, so it's, it's, it takes time. But um, that's that's what the summer is for. That's that's why it's important. That that's why we're all hoping that we we can get together in June and we don't have to get it pushed back because. That's really when it molds when you're doing all that hard work, all that conditioning over the summer and the fall. That's when uh, you put those hours in together. And like I said, compete with each other at a high level, go at it and practice every day. So we're able to all make each other better and, and we get closer while doing it. Well, Teddy, I know I speak for a lot of people listening. Um, we're excited to have you back in Nebraska uh, to play here for an in-state program. I know a lot of people around the state are looking forward to getting the chance to see you play here in Pinnacle Bank Arena. Congrats again on your decision, and thanks for joining us here on the Husker Online Show. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Go All Big Red. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Teddy Allen. Uh, when we come back, uh, Alex Snow and Nate Klaus will rejoin us, and we'll take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. does create an unlevel playing field is that we did only get two of our 15 spring practice sessions in when uh, some of our competitors within the league in the Big Ten got as many as seven or eight, some maybe even nine. So hopefully that's going to be able to even out down the road. And we're having those discussions uh, with our coaches in the Big Ten, uh, and there will be two very, very big conference calls on that later this week. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, Husker Online quarantined intern Allison Alley Snow joining us here in the studio. Um, and Allie might have had a mimosa this morning before the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I just had one. So, hey, you know what? It's quarantine life. It's like being in Vegas. We're losing money every day and you sleep in, have fun. There's no, there's no clock on quarantine. It's like, life. An, it's like an airport, you know. There, time, time is just a, uh, a concept. We've talked, we've talked about a Bloody Mary show down the road. Yeah, you know what? Might, might, might be our best show yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was Bill Moose, by the way, uh, discussing um, when athletic directors in the Big Ten, you know, might be talking about making up those spring practices. We might know more on that here sooner rather than later. But let's get to the mailbag. What do you have to lead us off with? All right. When will Manning and other newbies on campus, assuming we see restrictions somewhat relaxed by May 4th? 
Um, as early as they can get him here. Typically, Nebraska is able to get kind of a waiver, a bridge to let newcomers come even earlier than like June 5th or 6th, the first day of June summer school. Well, as we know, there's no on-campus summer school. Um, but Nebraska will get him here as early as they can physically be allowed to get here in May. And we know Omar Manning's got some classes that he's got to finish at the junior college, get enough credits. Um, a junior college player has to get a 2.5 GPA, according to the NCAA. What With what's going on in COVID-19, um, how will that change? Nate, I don't know if we have an answer to that yet. Yeah, I don't, we don't. Um, I All I know is uh, that people feel good about that happening. Um, but – I, I mean, there there are no tangible answers quite yet. I, I think that uh, uh, things are trending in the right direction, but um, as far as knowing for certain if that's going to happen, we don't, we don't know. Yeah, I know for basketball, Fred Hoiberg last week said that June 6th is the day that they're looking at right now uh, to bring their players on. Campus. And that's the start of the the first five-week session typically at UNL. Right. And Nebraska football had been able to, Nate, correct me if I'm wrong, get some of these guys here two to three weeks earlier in May on a special kind of bridge waiver program? Yeah, I mean, they've always had something called a bridge program, but I think here over the last couple of years, they've been able to bring guys in even earlier um, in, in the month of May. And so, um, and that's been kind of beneficial. Uh, those guys, uh, they they start taking classes. They, they're able to start getting their stipend and everything right away and, and obviously uh, going through workouts. So, uh, but I'm not sure, you know, what that's going to look like. In the housing situation. And that, and yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of questions with all that. We might see it be, you know, more, more of a normal arrival time, which is usually uh, early June. How many athletic departments might be in financial crisis at this time? I mean, almost all of them. Uh, Nebraska has a nest fund between 60 to $80 million just sitting there. Um, and it might be more than that, but that's what Bill Moose is on record telling Tom Chattel of the Omaha World Herald um, that you know they've smartly saved away. And to put it in perspective, it's, I think Ohio State's reserve fund was not even 10 million bucks. Um, so Nebraska operates it, you know, as Bill Moose joked, um, as a conservative farmer. You know, they, they, they put their money away and they stow it away for the rough years. And a lot of people joked, when are those rough years coming? Because it never looked like it ever have a rough year in college athletics. Well, out of nowhere, this rough year has hit a lot of people. And thankfully, Nebraska is in a pretty good spot. I'm not saying they're not going to have to make cuts, um, but you are, you are seeing – um, I think the facility is going to be on time. That's going to be built. And, and luck, luckily for Nebraska, they've been very good at their money over the years. Well, you're seeing even at the power five level, um, you know, schools having to take some pretty drastic measures. Obviously, Iowa State, now Boise State uh, just took uh, massive pay cuts to their football coaching staff. The Boise State staff got fur furloughed. Yeah. Maybe for, Brian Harson should have taken one of those SEC yeah, jobs. No kidding. So, <laughs> I mean, it's happening already. And you look around the Big Ten even. There was some – athletic departments that were barely keeping their head above water before all of this. And so now you have the potential to lose um, some sort of football revenue. I mean, that, that could be a crippling blow that, I mean, we'll have to get addressed one way or the other. Yeah. I think everyone's going to feel it in, in one way or another. Um, but you have seen, you've seen not only guys getting furloughed, but I know there's been athletic directors out there that have taken um, Jamie you know, Pollard at Iowa state. Yeah. Um, I know Wyoming's athletic director took a pretty big pay cut, uh, at least through the, the rest of this year. So, 
Um, yeah, there's it, it's impacting everybody right now. And those are the ones that have announced it publicly. I'd be curious if there's some guys that have done it privately that don't want the recognition or attention that they've done this. Because there's some guys that might want to do it but don't want everyone to know. Yeah, you know exactly. It's kind of a personal issue. But what do you got next, Allie? With the new recruits coming in, is going 500 a realistic expectation for Nebraska basketball? Yeah, I think so. Um, just because of not only the um, on-paper upgrade and talent, uh, but they're an old team now. I mean, they have eight juniors and seniors on their roster that not only have played a lot of basketball, most of which have played high major basketball and had success at that level. And so obviously there's going to be the uh, process of turning these guys into a team, especially under the current circumstances of them not even being able to be together. Um, that, that will be an ongoing process. But I think that when you look at what this roster has compared to where they were a year ago, it should be a significant jump. And I think that 500 is a definite attainable goal for them next season. All right, what do you have next, Allie? Give your list of five highest impact football players in order on the Huskers for 2020. I mean, Wandell Robinson, Dedrick Mills, Adrian Martinez. I mean, it's kind of where you start on Brandon offense. Hymas. Brandon Hymas. Defensively, I mean, I've already used four offensive guys, so maybe I'll have to take one of those guys off there. Cam Taylor-Britt is one for me. Um, Boodle, did you say him? Boodle, Stilly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a hard time just throwing a newcomer on the top five right. until they get here and we see. I mean, but Omar Manning, Alante Brown, they could easily creep creep up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys that potentially could be in there, but I think as far as known commodities, yeah. it's you know, I think it starts with obviously Wandale, Hymas, um, and then you go down the list. Uh, we'll see about the quarterback. I think Adrian Martinez certainly has that potential. I mean, he's got the, the keys to the car right now. So in, inherently, he should be in that conversation. It's just a matter of can he bounce back from last year. I think defensively, you can make a case for a guy like Deontay Williams to be uh, mentioned because I, before he got hurt last year, you know, there was, there was he had a lot of hype around mm -hmm. him. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of guys, but I feel, I feel like the, the known commodities uh, have been pretty much covered. Allie, what do you have next? Would it make more sense to start the season early instead of delaying to late fall, avoiding the cold flu and pending new coronavirus season? I, I have an interesting time thinking people talking about the cold when the NFL plays through December and January in New England and Green Bay and Chicago and these places every year. So uh, not saying I'd want to sit in a stadium in Lincoln or Wisconsin in January or December, um, but I, I cannot see them starting early. Um, I, I just I, I think it's either going to be on time or maybe like a month late. Well, that goes to guess. Yeah, that goes against the whole point of this thing. Like it's not to rush the season just to beat the, the fall flu season. It's to uh, have a proper amount of time to get the necessary testing in order and to get the situation under control to where things are opening back up. And um, I mean, that kind of goes against this entire thought process of trying to force it up when right now I think the reality is that if anything, it's going to be pushed back. Yeah, I think that you'd be – that's kind of a, a counter – some counter logic there uh, saying that, that you need to speed it up instead of slow it down I, just to avoid the, the flu season. I, I think that, if anything, it's going to start maybe a month or two later. Yeah, I, I read an interesting one that if you, you could start technically the first week of October, guys, and there's an extra week in the calendar this year. It's a 14-week season versus a 13-week season. So if you played it through October, you would still be done in December with a regular season. 
um, you know, and it would lead all the way up until that early signing day in December. So, I mean, there's a lot of ideas, but nobody really knows. Final question. Once quarantine is over, where's your next vacation spot? Well, I hope it's in late July, mid-July. Um, we have tickets right now to go to Marco Island, Florida. So um, my family and I, we talk about it all the time, how we're praying and hopeful that we can maybe get our vacation in, but we don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, I, I think the beach sounds pretty nice right now. Yeah, just booked uh, a Airbnb outside of Estes Park uh, by Rocky Mountain National Park. Going to take the family out there, uh, become a yearly tradition. So hopefully that stays on track. Yeah, about six months ago, we booked a trip to Cancun in July. And so I'm hoping that that, that happens right now, um, but uh, not not sure what the what the status of that is going to be. Now, Allie, your spring break got canceled. You're potentially going to go to Vegas for a big award you won as well. Um, that got canceled, right? Yeah, that got canceled. But I've already planned with a group of friends that we're going to go to Vegas after all this is over. Oh boy. Do you have a Cuz I've never been to Vegas. <laughs> now, I looked, you can get a ticket for like 200 bucks round trip right now. Really? I should probably just get it now and hope for the best. The money's reusable on Southwest Airlines. You can always reuse it later. Yeah. I do have credit though for my California trip that I was going to take, but I canceled that. So I have some You got money, money to I play can with. Spend. <laughs> You got plenty of morning mimosas to think about this. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, Allie, uh, thanks for joining us here. When we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk, including Nate's thoughts on Abonte Dickerson going to Minnesota. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, recruiting never ends. Uh, even during these trying times, uh, we're still recruiting hard uh, in every way we can by following the rules. Uh, it is a day and night uh, effort and, and our coaches are doing an exceptional job. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Final segment of the Husker Online Show. That was Athletic Director Bill Moose as the whole world has almost shut down in ways other than football recruiting as we're going to talk football recruiting. But first, this segment of the Husker Online Show. Nate Klaus brought to you by our friends at Coogler Vision. That's right. Uh, now, while elective surgeries are still uh, off the table, Coogler Vision still has plenty for, for uh, to, to help you out with your vision needs. If you go to CooglerVision.com, you can take the quiz uh, to find out which one of the uh, laser correction uh, surgeries will, will benefit you the most, and you can do uh, online consultation with them. So uh, get out to, to CooglerVision.com to see how they can help you. And good news, we might be seeing elective surgeries here uh, going back in here by next week, Nate. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on, but uh, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> All right, well, let's get right to the big news of the week, Nate. Um, Avante Dickerson surprisingly commits to Minnesota. This is a guy that had offers from Ohio State, USC, um, Oregon, Oregon, LSU. Uh, LSU. He didn't have Alabama. Uh, I think he had Florida, A&M. I, I mean, you name it. Yeah. Other, everybody but Alabama and Clemson, maybe, and that was it. And he commits to Minnesota, which, you know, I'm not knocking that, but he had never visited Minnesota. Um, he named out a top five or six not that long ago. Minnesota was not a part of that. Um, and then out of the blue on a Friday afternoon, uh, publicly announces his commitment to the Gophers, um, which I think caught a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, the timing of it especially, uh, because he had been pretty um, pretty serious about wanting to, to take visits to – 
uh, to take at least take a handful of official visits and and uh, kind of continue on with the process. And so, I think the timing more than anything uh, was was a surprise. And um, and I know the last time I, I spoke with him before he made the decision, he uh, you know he, he talked an awful lot about how close he was was becoming with Travis Fisher. Um, you know, he basically he mentioned. Uh, Travis Fisher, uh, the the uh, Minnesota staff, and then Boston College coaches as the ones that, that he was communicating with uh, the the most or or most frequently. So, um, yeah, the the decision was surprise. You know, you never want to lose an in-state guy. Um, you know, if you're if you're Nebraska that you've offered, and especially one that's that's highly ranked, highly recruited um, to a team that you play every single year. So, I mean, that's that's kind of a, a double whammy there, but. Uh, at the same time, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, when you look at what Nebraska has done uh, in terms of recruiting defensive backs, especially the haul that they got last year, um, you know, you, I think you can – you've got confidence that Travis Fisher is a pretty good recruiter and he's a pretty good evaluator. And, um, and and I don't know if you look at the guys that they brought in last year, I don't know if, if I can honestly look at any of those guys and say, well, Dickerson would immediately be If you better. put him at Miami Northwestern, how would he do it on yeah, that team? I, I mean, that's a great question. Yeah, it is, it is a great question. I mean, um, I mean, he's supremely athletic. He's an elite athlete. Uh, but he's he's injury prone, um, you know. And and there's you know, out of the games that I watched him play last year, I never walked away from the game going, "Holy cow, that kid is amazing." Um, and and I'm not saying that that means he's not going to be a good. Twenty one tackles last year. Is yeah, that all he finished? Yeah, with? twenty one tackles on defense. Um, you know, so. Um, yeah, it's it's and and I'm not gonna try to spin it one way or the other. Um, it's a blow. It, yeah, it's a blow. It hurts. Um, you, you know, you never want to lose your, the the top players in the state that you've offered, and um, and that hurts. But at the same time, I don't know that losing Dickerson is gonna you know break this class or or you know come signing day we're gonna say well geez um, if only they had gotten. Uh, Dickerson in this class, you know, that's, uh, it would have, it would have made it, um, you know, a lot better. Uh, so it, it, it kind of is what it is. I, I think that they're going to continue to at least stay in touch. I don't know how hard they're going to recruit him. Uh, but I, I'm sure that they're going to keep tabs uh, on Avante going forward, because like you said, he has not visited Minnesota yet. Um, you know, in, in and he hasn't visited a lot of the other schools that were recruiting him too. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, interesting development to say the least. Yeah, because correct me if I'm wrong, Nate. Once visits open back up, I mean, don't you think there's going to be a clamoring for everybody in this country to want to get out of their house? I mean, we've all been locked watching Tiger King on our couches for the last few months. When they say you can start going on free trips with your family, how many of these guys are going to be like, let's all go? We're going to get a free vacation to five different campuses. That's what surprised me. He did it on a virtual visit, which, you know, I think there's been a lot of talk. Why has Nebraska not done virtual visits? What I mean, what's your take on all of that? Well, they are doing virtual visits. Uh, now, it may be different than what some other schools are doing. I, I think there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, you know, a lot of them, um, you know, Nebraska's, for instance, is more of a production. They have, um, you know, kind of packaged it. I'm sure they worked with with uh, Husker Vision or whatever to, to create, you know, produce the this video. It's actually, actually from what some recruits have told me, it's a, a, a couple different videos. It's, it's fairly long. And essentially what it is is it is, um, you know, a junior day experience. If you were on campus attending a junior day, that's that's what the video is. And so you're not only are you seeing the, the facilities and kind of meeting with the coaches and, and get, getting information from strength and conditioning, so on and so forth. 
um, you know, but it, I mean, it's it's kind of the the total package, and it, it is kind of lengthy too, from what uh, some prospects have told me. Now, and I, and I know other schools are their virtual visits basically consist of you know FaceTime, and where one coach has has you on FaceTime, and um, you know, and is taking you around, and and then he he'll and talking with you, and then he'll pass the the phone or the tablet or whatever it may be off to the the next coach who who has his time with you, and. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do it, but Nebraska is doing virtual visits. Um, you know, Minnesota's doing theirs. Obviously, theirs have, have been um, probably publicized a little bit more um, and maybe a little bit more fruitful. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, I mean, they've gained a handful of commitments here over the last few weeks. Uh, that that is probably brought some more of that to uh, to the. And that's a style of Fleck, though. He's yeah. going to push hard. He's oh, gonna, yeah. He's. I mean, evidently called Dickerson three four times a day here over the last week. Yeah. Not only would he text and call. I mean, he would he would actually FaceTime him several times a day. And so, I mean, when you've got and it's not it wasn't just Fleck. It was the entire coaching staff. But Fleck was always involved, seemingly. So. Um, you know, when you've got a head coach that's pushing uh, that hard and, and showing you that much attention, uh, it'd be easy to, to kind of get wrapped up and, and to, to say, hey, man, this is this is pretty sweet. They, they really, 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 really want me. And, you know, I'm not saying Nebraska didn't do that, but I can't see Scott Frost FaceTiming Avante Dickerson four times a day. And no. that's that's not his style. No. I mean, he's he's not fake. He's not going to be exactly. a hard push guy. Um, and pressure a kid. And I, I do think some of that probably happens a little bit with Fleck. I think he's pretty good at finding when he sees blood on the water, he goes, I'm going to push, I'm going to push, and I'm yep. going to push. And either the kid's going to commit or it's, it's not going to work. Well, and it's backfired on him with a couple of other in-state guys. I know that Nick Henrich. Nick Henrich, he did not like the the style of Fleck where that, that constant attention. And, and, and same with Hickman. Um, I mean, it was almost it almost became a, a nuisance and so, um, you know, like you said, that, that's not Frost style. That Really, that's not the style of anybody uh, on this coaching staff to be overbearing like that. And, um, and I'll be honest with you, I, I think a lot of coaches probably take the approach that, hey, if, if I need to FaceTime you four times a day, um, you know, and, and to, to get your attention, then, then maybe you're not, you know, the right fit for us in the first place. Because that's not realistic. No, it's not. I mean, you don't even FaceTime your wife. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I mean, guy. I mean, it's just come. Come on. I mean, it's a little over the top in some respects. If you're having to do that to get a guy to really want to go to your school, yeah, that's right. So, uh, but it, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. And and like you said, I mean, June is going to be nuts with with all these players. Um, you know, assuming that the dead period is lifted uh, at the you know at the end of May, um, I, I think June is going to be absolutely crazy. You're going to see some schools have 20 official visitors oh, right. on one weekend. Yes, you are. And, and it's going to be highly competitive to get those trips uh, lined up. So what you're seeing right now, at least from Nebraska, is they're working very, very hard to try and get, get visits locked in uh, so that they can have one of those trips because it's going to be crazy. The amount of the amount of players that are going to visit campuses um, in in the month of June is going to be nuts. Two part question here to close on: Do you think camps will just be canceled altogether, or could we see some maybe regional satellite camps survive that really, like a Lindenwood, for example, 
become like a hub for everybody and a kind of a last chance opportunity for maybe guys that need to be seen to be seen? Yeah, um, you know, that's a great question. And I was just uh, I was actually talking with former Husker wide receiver Chris Brooks about that. Um, about the Lindenwood one uh, specifically. Right now, there's no word on that. Uh, I think college camps uh, are probably going to be canceled, um, you know, across the board. I, I, I don't see I – mean, I, I just don't see very many colleges allowing uh, them to have, have camps on campus. So, um, you know, and, and I think a lot of coaches that I've, that I've talked with are, are not expecting their camps – their on-campus camps to, to happen. But – um, you know, th- that would be a good opportunity. Like some of these mega camps, you know, the, the Lindenwoods, the Chicago showcases and, um, you know, a handful of other ones. I mean, that, that would be uh, a good opportunity. Now, if you get 2000 people together, um, you know, right. It's now, hard. Yeah. I mean, that's, that would be something that would probably get it shut down. Maybe I, I don't know, but, um, I wouldn't rule that out, but uh, right now I would be surprised if we saw on-campus uh, camps, you know, taking place well, in the month of June. Well, and we already know, like, Avante Dickerson, his freshman year, ran the best 40 at the Lindenwood Mega Camp, and not one coach talked to him because he wasn't on a radar yet. Yep. So you still got to be on a radar to be, you know, you can't just show up. And, I mean, no one's if they don't know who you are, they're not even going to look at what you run. And so some of these camps almost could get too big. Um, but I, I still think there needs to be a place for them if they can, but it, I'm not really optimistic that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm not overly optimistic either. Um, you know, it's it, it would be a great opportunity because, I mean, you think about all the all the kind of borderline guys, especially in the Midwest where, you know, maybe they don't get the, the exposure. The, like Isaac Gifford last year. Exactly. I mean, um, there's a lot of guys that were, were counting on the spring evaluation period to, to be seen in person by coaches uh, to, to get offers or at least to maybe even rise up the, the recruiting board uh, for a lot of schools. And now that's not happening. And so uh, I do think that these camps would be a huge opportunity for a lot of those guys, especially kids in the Midwest. Well, lots to follow in the world of recruiting. Uh, make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com as we will keep you up to date with the latest. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.